Welcome back to another episode of My Neighbors Are Dead. I'm your host, Adam Peacock, and we're all familiar with the big names in horror, Freddy, Jason, the Kensington Runestone. But who we're not familiar with are the ones just outside the tear, the ones who didn't get to tell their tales, and helping me do that this week. He is the creator of Weird City and the co-host of the Balt Talk podcast, Mr. Charlie Sanders. Charlie, how are you, buddy? Hey, I'm good. Thank you. How are you? I'm well, thanks. Thank you for doing this. I greatly appreciate it. No problem. Uh, today, I'm so excited to talk about this. We are talking about the original 1973 British folk horror movie, The Wicker Man. Uh, Charlie, why did you pick this film? I think it's my favorite horror movie of all time. Um, uh, spoiler alert if you haven't seen it. I just think it has this great energy. It builds to this like cacophonous insanity mm-hmm. in a way that... I don't think you see a lot anymore. I feel like modern horror movies, they give you the horror like right at the front. And I love that Wicker Man, you as an audience member are gradually, slowly realizing, holy shit, this is really fucked up or whatever. I love it. Uh, So police, so the Sergeant Neil Howie, he shows up, he's investigating a crime. And so he turns out, I will spoil it. He's the sacrifice, right? He's the Wicker Man. Yes. Yes. And the four qualifications that make him eligible to be the sacrifice. I love he's, he came there on his own will. (laughs) Of his own will. Of his own will. He was, he had King, what was it? Like kingly tendencies. He's a virgin and a fool. I just, I have, I I have a problem with the fool thing. Because he was manipulated in coming there. He was and deeply manipulated. Everybody yeah. lied to him. So like <laughs> he did like, he did yeah. kind of seem, you know, like a good cop, like he had good cop instincts, but then also like somewhere in there, any normal person would go, This is getting really weird. I better call for backup, you know. The hand next to his bed was one of the things that <laughs> for me was like, well, what are you doing? Like and also why did he go alone? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, he flies in in that little one-person, you know, water plane thing. Yeah, <laughs> it's great. Uh, when was the first time you saw this? Oh, man, I worked at a video store in New York City in the early aughts. And uh, for your listeners, video stores were, were places you could go <laughs> and you would get movies in these little boxes before yeah. you could get them on your computer. Uh, and I was a clerk and... Um, I just watched like every movie ever made. It was a great, cool, like, you know, artsy video store. And uh, somewhere in there, I saw it like back. I don't smoke weed anymore, but back then I smoked tons of weed. And I just remember like getting super stoned and watching Wicker Man and I don't know, O2 or something like that. This one, uh, and this is going to be so, so hokey, I'm sure. But this for me, the remake of this with Nicolas Cage to me signifies Nicolas, Nicolas Cage's like downward spiral. <laughs> that was his demise. I feel like that this is like, this is the first bad. thing that set it off. <laughs> it wasn't even so bad. It was good. It was just bad. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I do think he spin kicks a nun that turns into a bunch of bees or something like that, which is, that's pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not enough nun violence in movies now anymore. <laughs> Maybe it's a nun. I can't remember. He, he, somebody I, no, turns into bees. I know you're that. Right. I think if I, like, I think he runs up and socks some woman in the face. So I think that's what it is. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, Christopher Lee's in this movie. I love Christopher Lee. I love uh, Christopher Lee. What are your favorite Christopher Lee movies? Because we don't talk about him enough on here. Uh, his Dracula, I watched by so accident when I was a kid. My dad wanted to show me the Bela Lugosi Dracula, and he accidentally rented the um, the, the Hammer one. version. Yes, so that was the first Dracula I ever actually saw. So, did you remember. watch it with your dad? I did. <laughs> did did it? I had that bad. I had a bad dad that was like, "You can watch anything you want." <laughs> your dad sounds. I'll awesome. buy you cigarettes. <laughs> 
it's awesome when you're 13 and then when you have to go to therapy and when you're right. 20, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, yeah, he was he was more so my buddy than he was my dad. Yeah, than my dad. <laughs> <laughs> Did your dad at any point realize that he wasn't showing you the Bella Lugosi Universal? Yeah, yeah, he, he was all pissed about it, but then we watched it anyway. He was like, "Oh fuck, <laughs> this is the wrong one," you know. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I admire the fact that he rented it and he was still going to stick with his choice. I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> I love talking about video stores too on here because I myself oh, worked at a video store too. And, oh, you did? Uh, I did. I worked at two. I worked at a Blockbuster and a little mom and pop in my hometown. Oh, that's cool. I love those little mom and pop ones. Those were great. They were great. I uh, The one I worked at was called Real Video, two E's. Uh-huh. Uh, nice. <laughs> and it was cool, uh, Charlie, because they had all of these, these old movies like that they had inherited from the previous owners. Mm-hmm. And I kept wanting to be like, I kept my, my business prop to them was like, well, keep buying movies like this, like the hammer Dracula and stuff that people won't right, know. Right. But instead they decided to buy a showcase and fill it with little tchotchkes, like samurai swords and other oh. like stabbing <laughs> devices, which made no sense. <laughs> Does not make sense. <laughs> uh, but you worked at an art house video store. So please tell me what it was like to work at a real one. Oh, it was fucking crazy, man. It was in the West Village. Do you know New York City at mm-hmm. all? Yeah. It was uh, 6th Avenue and 8th Street. So right in the heart of the West Village. It was really big, which is unusual for a New York store. It was vast. Uh, you know, really hip and cool, organized by director. So there's an Akira Kurosawa section. There's right. a Scorsese section, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and then after like a day of working there, you realize that all the profit is like, like 90% of the profit is generated from the tiny little porn room in the back of this giant art house. <laughs> that was ours too. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, Whoa. I mean, I knew they had them. <laughs> I, I didn't know it was like 90% of the business. So that whole, that little tiny room supported a, like, I don't know what it was like. God, it must've been 2000 square feet or something um, of art, artsy movies. <laughs> the one that I would go to uh King video in Allen park, they had a, I mean, a very profitable porno section as well, but it was so weird because it wasn't hidden. It was in the middle of the room. <laughs> That's so hilarious. Like, so the, the clerks would be at the desk and they could stare straight down the aisle and they could observe like, you know, <laughs> they could see the people browsing, see the people browsing, but also like, you know, <laughs> shitheads like myself going in there and like, let's see what we can see. <laughs> That's amazing. No, ours was hidden away. You'd almost not even know it was there. <laughs> I didn't realize just how profitable those things were. It was a, I mean, oh, it's it's a good business. Oh, it's crazy. Uh, yeah. So the Hammer Dracula, the first thing you watched with your dad, did that kind of set you off down a path of liking horror movies? Video oh, yeah. No, I was Hammer. scared. I think it was too too much for me at that age. I don't, I don't know what I was, like 10 or something. And it was like, I remember being scared, like having nightmares and shit about it. <laughs> So you were you were off the horror for a little while after that? No, I still liked it. It just was like back then when I was a kid, I was really into like nerdy, super nerdy sci-fi, like Doctor Who. I, I watched every Doctor Who. I watched all the original Planet of the Apes movies. Um, that was the kind of stuff I was into. And then later on, I would say like when I worked at the video stores, when I really got into like liking horror and I watched mm-hmm. when I was a kid though, eventually my dad did somehow rent the correct movie and me and my brothers <laughs> watched all those original universal ones. We loved those. Um, they're great. Yeah. The Wolfman, Frankenstein, Dracula, uh, creature from the black lagoon, the mummy, etc. And I think my real way in, though, to liking horror was watching um, Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein because I loved Abbott and Costello. Great. Yeah. 
uh, such a fun blend of of both of those. Like we were talking about comedy nerds earlier, and with this, yeah, you know, such a great such a great blend of those two. Yeah, totally. Uh, I I was I've said it here before, but hearing you talk about Doctor Who and Planet of the Apes, I knew it was summer vacation around one o'clock in the morning because Star Trek, the next generation would come on and I could stay up long <laughs> enough to watch it. So I knew that I didn't have school or anything to worry about. That's amazing. You were, so you were a, a TNG fan. Oh, love TNG. Oh dude. You know, I'm friends with LeVar Burton, right? Are you really? Yes. <laughs> That's awesome. He was on my show that I created weird city. Um, I, and then we became friends from that. He seems like the nicest guy in the world. He is literally the nicest guy in the world. That's awesome. And, and hilarious. He's really, really good in the show. Well, let's let's take a quick break. I feel bad, Charlie, that we keep we keep losing you. So I want to take a quick break and uh, we're going to talk to one of these one of these, I guess, pub goers that that in one of these bars in Scotland, uh, a pub bloke, which I've never referred to somebody as Durf McCoy. <laughs> but uh, Charlie, thank you so much for coming by, talking talk Star Trek and, and LeVar Burton. No problem. Hey, neighbors, Adam here. Have you been enjoying My Neighbors Are Dead? Well, there are two quick and easy ways you can show your support that only take a second. First, leave us a rating and review in your podcast player of choice. That can be anything from talking about a recent episode to suggesting a film for a future guest. And two, make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss future episodes. It helps you, it helps us, and it helps new folks find the podcast. Thanks, and now back to the show. Uh, welcome back. Uh, thank you so much for joining me. Um, I appreciate you coming by and talking to me a little bit. I'm talking to, and forgive me if this is offensive, but I'm certainly not trying to be, pub bloke Durf McCoy. Say hello, Durf. Hello. How are you? How are you, Adam? And how are you, listeners? I- I'm doing great, Durf. Thank you so much for coming by and just kind of talking to me about the ins and outs of being a, a Scottish pub bloke. I-, I take pub bloke as a compliment, Adam. It's the best kind of bloke you can be. Uh, I will. I was talking to my to to my buddy Charlie earlier, and telling him I've never been to Scotland, and I've certainly ne- never been to Summer Isle. So, talk to me. What is life like in Summer Isle in Scotland? What is life like on on an ar- ar- archipelago as a public? As a public, it's great. You go out to the pub with your blokes. You have a Cornish game hen or a meat pie, and then you go and do a human sacrifice late in the summer. And that helps the crops grow. See, there's so many differences between Scottish pubs and American pubs because right off the bat, Cornish game hen. I have never had a Cornish game hen in a bar, mostly just finger foods like nachos and wings. So what what is it about that c- kind of pub fare that I'm missing out on? Cornish game hen is more or less a little chicken. And so it's got the taste of a chicken, but it's smaller. You get mm-hmm. a side of mashed and some mushy peas. And you got yourself... Plenty of carbs and a little protein. Uh, I love it. I love it. And I, I want to get to all the ins and outs of certainly more more pub cuisine and the human sacrifice thing. But what is a day-to-day life like for a pub bloke? Because I, the, the image in my head is that you're always at the pub. So, uh, Durf, do you work? And if so, where? And do you have a family? I, I, I'm I'm single with no children. Hey, my dad, my basic day is you wake up with your face on the fucking bar on your stool, water up a, <laughs> some Cornish game hen eggs scrambled, eat those, and then I go out and hunt hares with a buckshot rifle. And uh, then I, what? 
I was going to say, Durf, I got to tell you, all in all, it sounds like it's a it's a pretty good life. Oh, it's a great life. You, you ought to try being a pub bloke on Summer Isle, Adam. I would the the, the first thing I'm going to do when I eventually get to Summer Isle is go to a pub and be a pub bloke for a week because I want to sample the local fare. So, Durf, you mentioned human sacrifices if it's just ah. a part of a normal day. So, talk to me about that. Uh, what's that like? It's pretty simple, but it's not once a day. It's once a year in the summer. You coerce someone to come from the mainland out to some isle, and then you spend about seven days slowly tricking them, eventually luring them into a giant man made of wicker. Yeah. And then you throw a bunch of chickens and sheep inside it too and light it on fire. And then you sing and laugh and dance as it burns. So is this something, Durf, that I guess, you know, not so much the, the whole island, but you yourself, is this something you look forward to every year? Is this is this an exciting oh, thing for you? It's the most exciting part of the summer. I'm related to Paul McCartney, you know. <laughs> I spent some time in Liverpool. Did you? Well. Oh, I love That's the why Beatles. why my accent is changing. I love the Beatles, Durf. I actually oh, got to meet amazing. Paul's kid. He's, I What's your favorite Beatles song? Oh, it's got to be... Uh, uh, why'd you lie? Why, why'd you cry? Why'd you lie to me? That's my favorite. That's a good one. Uh, yes. I, uh, well, let's hang up. I, I want to know I'm more. personal all friends about- with Pete Best. <laughs> Wait a he minute. He moved You're out so- to Summer Isle. What? I don't know what I find more interesting about you. The fact that you're so laissez-faire about human sacrifice or your wild connections to the Beatles. Well, that's, yeah, I, when you spend you split your time between Summer Isle and Liverpool, it's just the way it goes. So uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kick myself, I think, for, for not asking this, but when you spend time in Liverpool, do you get to hang out with Paul? Oh, Sir Paul. Sir, yes, Sir Paul. I'm sorry, yes, Sir Paul. It's Sir Paul. Yeah. Oh yeah, me and Paul and Pete. We hit we hit the the pubs of Liverpool. So you guys still hang out with Pete Best? <laughs> it's it's a contentious relationship, but we do. I mean, I kind of feel bad for the guy, but he turned out to be okay. He's still a Beatle, technically. Technically, yes. <clears throat> so, have you ever been? Well, have you ever mentioned it or brought it up to Paul? Like, hey, you should come over to Summer Isle for the summer. We're going to sacrifice somebody. I think you might like taking part in this and bring Pete Best with you. Well, we've been trying to lure Paul to be the sacrifice for years, but he he's on to us. So so you want to sacrifice a Beatle? I, I'm wondering, because you're sacrificing these Pete people. Pete wants your- to do it. He's volunteered, but we turns him down. Oh, that poor guy can't catch a fucking break, Pete Best. <laughs> That's true. I mean, that's got to be, uh, Durf, that's got to be a tough conversation that somebody's volunteering to do the job and you're just like, I think we're good. He begs me at the end of the night when we're drunk at the pub. Please, Durf, please. I want to be special in any way possible. Let me be the human sacrifice. I'm like, Pete, I tried. I pitched it to Christopher Lee and the town council. The actor Christopher Lee is actually... Literally lives on Summer Island as a lord. You might be the most connected, famous person, Durf, I've ever met on this show. Because I love Christopher Lee. I love the Beatles. And I got to be honest, I'm not entirely down on human sacrifice. Oh, that's good to hear. Would you like to come visit this summer? I I would love to, but I- We'd I, love to have you. 
you know, I, I don't know if I'm going to have the money to go, but I'll take a look at it. I'll, you know, I'll call my travel agent and see oh, what they can we're, set up for. We're happy to send you a tiny water plane. Now, see, I want to fly a tiny water plane. <laughs> oh, it's a joy. I've flown many myself when I'm returning them to the mainland. Uh, so, Derek, I don't want to break down because I'm no psychologist. I've said it many times on this show. But is there any chance, Derek, that you're a pub bloke for 364 days out of the year because you're somehow trying to grapple with the fact that you've committed human sacrifice? <laughs> oh, no, no. It's, I'm not drinking away the guilt. Are you crazy? I'm just drinking to be with me lads. Have a have a hoot, a yeah. hoot and a holler, sing a few songs. We don't have any, uh, there's no music in the pub. We sing ourselves. It sounds like a great existence. I mean, you do oh. what you love. You'll never work a day in your life is what they say. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Again, I, I know I'm getting way off topic here, Durf, but what's your relationship like with John and Ringo? Do you guys hang out or, and George? I, I, well, unfortunately, George and John have passed away. Uh, Ringo, uh, Ringo uh, doesn't. Uh, he won't return me emails. I'm so sorry. I, you know, I know it was just George's birthday, and I'm being an insensitive jerk. I'm, I am sorry. I, <laughs> Why I, would I, you I, bring that up? We're having I'm a great sorry. conversation. Because I guess in my mind, next Dirk, you're going to bring up alive. my old friend Stu Sutcliffe, <laughs> died from a bar fight. I, you know, you're around so much great musical talent, Derf. Did you ever, and you're singing at the pub. Was there ever any thought into like, hey, maybe I'll start a band and I can do what my relative Paul McCartney is doing? I, I try, I've tried to get in the Beatles. I tried to get in uh, Wings. I asked over and over, let me be in Wings, Paul. He said, no, you can't sing a note. Uh, well, see, now I think you're just being selfish. Paul or me? No, no, not you. No, Paul. Oh, I think Dirk. Yeah, I think well, you're. He's, he's a little self-focused, you know. You know how the, the big stars are. Well, I got to imagine things are different now. I, I can't even imagine what it's like to just to go out with him. Because, you know, before it's just your relative Paul. Now he's Sir Paul McCartney. He's a Beatle. Well, that's why he wears an ape mask when we go out. So no one recognizes him. He could be a normal person. What kind of mask does Pete wear? <laughs> a Paul McCartney mask. <laughs> But it's yeah. it's pretty rubbery and unbelievable looking. I feel like he's just going to draw more attention to himself by doing that. <laughs> I, I agree. So I'm out with Paul McCartney and an ape. Yeah, and it's making you look like a fool. I look like a goddamn fool. So what's That's, the uh, what's the schedule like coming up for this human sacrifice this year? What what are, what's how's it looking? You got somebody in mind? You got some good crops? What's what's going on? Well, we've got uh, a lot of good crops. We've got some corn, some yams, uh-huh. some hams. We've got some chickens, some Cornish game hens. Delicious. A, a sheep. And as far as who it's going to be, let's see, it's March. The ceremony will take place in the summer. Mm-hmm. So we haven't quite found anyone yet, actually, Adam. We'd love to have you come out to the aisle this summer to consult with us about who to maybe have... Do it. Well, you know, Derek, are ye I a do, virgin, Adam? I, I'm pretty close. I'm, I'm right, not. Good. I'm not perfect. Yeah, I, I think I might be able to cut it. Perfect. Uh, you would be a perfect guest this summer. And I fancy myself a, a pretty creative guy, so I would love to kind of come out and consult and yeah, and we'll just talk about who we should maybe pick to come out for the human sacrifice, and you can advise me and Chris. Derf, I, I, I. Again, I would be remiss if I didn't ask, is there any chance that when I come out, I could meet Paul McCartney or Pete Best? 
Oh, both. Absolutely. I, I guarantee it. You come out this summer, Sir Paul will be waiting right there at the pub with me to meet you. You can pick his brain about his music and his life. We'll sing Jet. Oh, I love Jet. Jet's a great song. It's one, one, my favorite song of all time. I, I don't, you know what? I don't. I even like that Christmas song you wrote. I know a lot of people don't love that, but I, I like it. I like it too. Yeah, I like it. the symphonies. Everything, everything. So Paul does is good. Well, God, I mean, I guess if the sacrifice is coming up in the summer, I should probably get moving here. I'm buying my tickets and heading out. To yeah, the maybe June. Come out in June. The sacrifice is in July, so you can just hang out on the aisle for a while and get you to know, know everyone. I've never inserted myself into one of my guest life so rapidly, but I th- I got a feeling about this because I think I'm being blinded by the whole Beatle thing, but I- I'm on board for this. All right, great. We'll, I will be happy to have you, Adam. We'll send a little plane out. You live in Los Angeles, correct? I do, yes, Los Angeles. We'll send a little a little water plane out for you. I Real quick, because I know last time you had a, one of your police chiefs came out, he had to fly to alone. Will I have to fly this plane by myself or will you supply me with a pilot? It's up to you if you want to fly it yourself, past people up, but we could also send you a two-person plane. Paul will fly it himself. Wait a minute. You're telling me I'm going to get a two-person plane with Paul McCartney? <laughs> yes. I can okay. put that together if you want. I'll work out a deal. I'm definitely doing this now, Durf. This is – yeah, I'm in. Okay. Now, Paul will have a mask on. So it'll, I moment. assume it'll be the eight mask, yeah? Oh, yeah, Absolutely. Well, yes. I, he'll probably take it off though once we get up in the air, right? Once you land in Summer Isle, he'll he'll reveal himself. Well, you know what? I love the Beatles so much, Durf, that it's going to be worth it. That whole ride. Oh, I'm absolutely, gonna, yes. We we'll love to have you, guy who wrote yesterday. <laughs> That's right. It was originally called Scrambled Eggs. Did you know that? I didn't know that. No. <laughs> yes, it was called Scrambled Eggs. Well, Durf, I, I'm excited about this. I'm excited about human sacrifice. I'm excited about getting some insider beetle knowledge that maybe not a lot of people are going to be able to get. Yeah, absolutely. We'll tie up with one of those strings around that pole and have you dance around it. You know what? I, I said in 2021, I'm going to try to do things that, have, that, are, that are foreign to me. And this is certainly one of those things. So Durf McCoy, I can't wait to come out and be an honorary pub bloke. Oh, we can't wait to have you. We'll put your name up on the wall. And you know what? Bring Pete Best, too. I think that'd be fun. Oh, Pete will be there. We don't have to bring him. He'll be there. He's always hanging around. Uh, Durf McCoy, thank you so much for coming by. Oh, thanks for having me. It was great to be here. It was fun to Zoom. Oh, yeah. We're going to be doing this a lot. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for listening to My Neighbors Are Dead. I've been your host, Adam Peacock. The show was produced by myself with Nate DeFort and edited by Nate DeFort. Original music was done by Jesse Case, along with Dane Halverson, and our original artwork was done by Mark Nishan. I want to thank Charlie Sanders for coming by and playing pub bloke Durf McCoy, and for introducing me into what I can only assume is going to be a very uh, fruitful relationship with one of the Beatles. Uh, You can check out Charlie again as the co-host of the Bald Talk podcast. He's the creator of Weird City. If you want to look up those things on Instagram and uh, Twitter, you can find Weird City at Weird City Show on Twitter and Bald Talk Pod on Instagram. If you like the show and you want to support us, please like and subscribe. And if you'd like to donate to the show, you can find us on Patreon.com at My Neighbors Are Dead. Follow us on Instagram at My Neighbors Are Dead and on Twitter at My Dead Neighbors. Again, thank you so much for listening to the show, and we'll see you next week. 
name is Will Himes, and I am a ghostwriter, meaning I write other people's books for them. And I have a podcast called I Will Write Your Book, which are recordings of my meetings with my eccentric clients, such as a woman blocked after one sentence of a children's book about her dogs, a romance novelist who dislikes sex, and a man proud of having sampled everything in his local grocery store. This podcast has been described as fully improvised, played by some of the best comedians on the planet Earth. Hey, that's pretty good. That's I Will Write Your Book on Campfire Media. Campfire.